0: welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled, bonfire night special edition of Nice Things.
1: Nice Things. Very conspiratorial.
0: Oh, yes. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week, Sir Michael Fawkes this week, actually,
1: is... My name is Sir Paul Catesby, but for reasons that will become apparent later, I shall go on to the name Carmichael. Codename, dear. Marlowe approved it. Oh, I see.
0: So, um, it's bonfire night, it's come round again, and we're actually recording it on the day.
1: We are, we are. It'll be hot off the press.
0: Yes, hot off the piss.
1: Yes, um, absolutely. Considering the pissing around I've had with cameras and everything oh, today, it's a bloody miracle. It's oh.
0: absolutely crazy. So, uh, your computer's not worked, so um, Sir Paul Catesby, as you can probably see, um, is... In widescreen, yes. yes. has borders. Uh, do I? Hmm, you've got little borders each side.
1: Oh, well, Suella Braverman will be very happy with that. I would imagine.
0: She I, will. Am I in 4-3? Yes, you are.
1: Oh, I approve. Oh, there you go. I shall do go. this more often then. Can you see me candle though, Governor?
0: I can see your candle, Governor. Yes, it's it's That's very prominent that. with your 1606 Isn't... book
1: absolutely it's almost as though it's by design um but uh, yeah i built myself a lovely set to, to appear in and then the computer wouldn't work so now i've ended up basically i'm propped up on things at the moment so if i suddenly fall out of shot then people can laugh at it on <laughs> review shows for 20 years like dell boy falling through the bar i remember that no you don't but that's I not do, I, do you I, do. I don't i don't because I, I wouldn't watch it, it. Loved it. don't loved know why it. No, well, why did you watch it of course why did you love it because they were thieves
0: I don't know why I loved only Phils and Osses. I, I don't know. Everyone, uh, uh, all, all us lads wanted to be Delboy. But he was a thief. Lovable rogue.
1: No, no, a thief. I never understood why he was given airtime on BBC One. I didn't like David Jason to begin with in Open All Hours. I thought he was quite irritating. I think Ronnie Mm. Barker should have punched him or sacked him. Yes. And then I've got to watch him being a thief on a market stall. One, no, and two, common. Absolutely not. I hated that Did he ever
0: steal anything? Did Del Boy ever steal anything? Let me
1: think. He looked like he did, and that's enough, isn't it, in this day and age. In the Jacobean era... That's all that we need.
0: That's all that you need. Um so you said that um your uh, it almost looks staged your set.
1: It almost almost looks staged, doesn't it? Uh,
0: and so there we go 5 5th of November 511 was an inside job staged by government.
1: Oh to, there we go. To yes, frame, absolutely. To frame
0: Catholics your lot trying yes, to make our lot. my lot burnt at the stake
1: trying to take it back over can't have it. Absolutely not. Yeah, no. Have you
0: heard of uh, Jean Gerard, the Jesuit scholar who wrote the account of it?
1: Yes, I have.
0: That's, that was his conclusion, wasn't it? That government um, were involved in its planning and kind of allowed it to happen and then stopped it at the last stage.
1: Yeah, I can't help feeling that maybe he had an ulterior motive for this and was talking bollocks, though, don't you? I mean, right, th- th- there are, of course, some conspiracy theories, as we've discussed, which are obviously fact. Paul McCartney dying in 1966 is a yeah. fact. It's a fact. It just is. Right. Yeah. So that one I can get behind. The other one, this one, uh, well what do, what do you think from the Catholic side of the border what's your view? I think I
0: think it didn't harm the the government at the time to paint themselves as victims of a plot and then to have I believe uh, at the start of the 5th of November commemorations you would burn the effigy of Guy obviously uh-huh. so you were yeah. you were sort of uh, ritualistically burning a uh, Catholic at the stake. Um, mm-hmm. um, but uh, apparently when it first started, you rang church bells, there were cannons set off mm. and all this other stuff. So it was very um, it was very celebratory of the power of government and how you stay in your lane, sonny. Um,
1: so... Yeah, maybe a little it, bit of that. It was helpful in
0: that regard. Um, mm. But obviously there was a bigger power struggle, wasn't there? I mean, you know, for the hearts and minds of the people, because the church was the um, predominant force.
1: Well, you've got that. I think you've also got the fact that you've just come out of the reign of Elizabeth, haven't you? you come out of the golden era of uh, Elizabeth I, and we're into the, this remarkable time of who's next, who's going to take it. She hasn't had any kids, shit. So mm. we've got to bring James down. And obviously that's, that's going to be a time of great upheaval for everyone, because the monarch was... Central. I mean, recently, of course, when uh, Elizabeth II died, um, Mm -hmm. I think we all felt to an extent, you know, there was quite a, for a while, there was that feeling of, oh, shit, this is a bit strange.
2: Mm.
1: But if the monarch was so central to your life, and not just there as a figurehead, but there as the governing body, there in charge, making the rules, dictating life or death, even being a strategist when it comes to war, all of these different things. To lose that person must have been immense to the people Mm. of the time. So I think that the choice of who you end up with would have been an incredibly important one. And, of course, you end up with James, whose mum had sort of slightly been executed by the previous queen. And I can see that why that might just put people a little bit on edge at the time that they were getting this person. Well, it was
0: only two years into his reign, wasn't it?
1: Mm, mm. Um, I mean, speaking
0: of conspiracy theories, there's also the conspiracy theory that Elizabeth was indeed a man.
1: What? The first. The first. What? What's this? Shit? You've never yes. heard that one? No. What is this now? Go oh, on. this let's...
0: is all to do with um, Henry and Urs and whatnot. And that's why she couldn't bear any children. She was a hermaphrodite, etc.
1: This sounds terribly modern. It does sound terribly modern, yeah, yeah. Would she have appeared on Friday Night Live, hitting a a piano with her penis? What would have gone on here? Well, I'm not sure. I don't think
0: they had Friday Night Live then, but she might have gone down the globe and uh, displayed her globes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh no, you know. Oh, never, ever went to the theater. Loved theater. Never went to one theater. Probably
0: had, had private shows. Yeah. Oh
1: yes, because. absolutely. So you would, you would get many a play that's documented as having been performed for Her Majesty. But no, never went to the theater. After all, she's like you. Oh yes, won't go. Well, don't even yes. like going for a minute, dear. But Are you a hermaphrodite? I don't think so. Not when I last looked. So getting on Just a bit, the shirt, maybe. Then. Just, just the shirt, just the celebratory shirt. Yes, to keep you in your lane. Um, but no, um, I, I don't think that's true at all. I think that's probably horse shit. Mm.
0: Well, yes, yes. Yes. I mean, uh, it, it's like the uh, the whole the whole truth behind the Gunpowder Plot. I mean, lost to the mists of time. You can mm. uh, you can guess all you want, can't you? Um, really. But history is indeed written by the victors. Um, well, this is true, yes. The Meldrews. um yes. But um, the shirt is in celebration, I forgot to mention this, of this magnificent arrangement of the theme tune by um, Mr. Andrew Frizell, who oh. you'll have all have heard our beautiful crumhorn rendition. So thank you to Mr. Frizzell for that. Maestro Frizell. genius,
1: Frizzell. yes, absolutely. Lovely stuff. Yes, um, yes. And it, it gave me, well, uh, once again, because it's obviously... Just a few months ago, you and I were involved in a lovely production of Macbeth. And, of course, now this is where we can get into some interesting conspiracy. Just okay. a little. Okay, so there's there's the whole, the, the play of Macbeth, obviously. there's the, the reasons behind it are fairly obvious. Gunpowder Plot is, Gunpowder Plot even, 1605, mm. Macbeth 1606. And you've got a play about treason, you've got a play about the overthrowing of a king and the downfall of his murderers, okay? You've got the fact that King James, the sixth or the first, whichever you prefer, King James is descended from Banquo of Loch Harbour. So we've got that direct link there. Now, by all accounts that I've read, the original, the real Banquo was a right bastard, but Shakespeare thought, hmm, shouldn't properly portray him in that way. So we get this noble character. We get the prophecy of the witches to Banquo saying, your children shall be kings. So that's that's a lovely one, and there's also, uh, you know, the porter. I love the porter wandering around pissed. Very difficult lines to learn, um, but the porter at one point starts talking um, about an equivocator, and the person who he's referring to there is there was a Catholic priest um, called Henry Garnet, and um, Garnet was hung, drawn, and quartered for being involved in the plot, um, and because he he. Um, the, the thinking, and there's no reason to disbelieve it, but equally no reason to prove it, is that Catesby, who of course is the originator of the plot, Catesby went to confession. And the person he went to confession with was Henry Garnet. But unfortunately, Garnet was a good man, a good, solid Catholic, and he wouldn't break the oath of confession. And for that reason, he was hung, drawn, and quartered. So you then get the porter in Macbeth mocking him. Now... We could You could at this point, you could go, well, that's Shakespeare, what a bastard. But then Shakespeare's interesting here. Shakespeare's ca- uh, parents were very, very probably both Catholic. Hmm. Very probably both Catholic. Um, one of Shakespeare's mother's relatives had already been executed for being part of a plot to kill Elizabeth I. Shakespeare's father was friends with William Catesby, who was Robert Catesby's father. And Shakespeare was a very good friend of the owner of the Mermaid Tavern and used to drink there and that's where they met, the conspirators met, to come up with the gunpowder plot. So it's not too much of a reach to imagine that Shakespeare's got some knowledge maybe, knowledge of the plot in 1605 and it gets a little bit tasty, a little bit spicy for him so he goes, better write something quick. So he writes this play which is flattering King James and includes all those different points. Um, and also, I mean, Beth, it it feels like a first draft play. It feels like something that was just churned out really quickly. Mm. It's a very short play by Shakespeare's standards, done and dusted in two hours. And there are plot holes aplenty in it. It doesn't feel as though it's the most well-thought-out piece of writing that he did. So there is, a, there are lovely, lovely links there, and it would be wonderful mm. to turn up some documents from there and just... Fill, fill in the gaps, but there's enough there to imagine that Shakespeare had more than a little bit of knowledge, at least, of what was going on. I do love that.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, firstly, were you, were you reading notes there, dear?
1: Oh, wrote some dates down, yes. Well, oh, yeah. don't give I away the impressed. magic! I'm oh. just impressed
0: at the preparation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's about six words, so, oh shit, I'll probably get the dates wrong and someone will complain.
0: Uh, Hat, capped off.
1: Thank you, dear. dear. Yes, um, small amount of prep, not just the set this week, a little bit of prep.
0: Uh, first thought as well,
1: Cakesby. Cake... Mm. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's call him Cakesby. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, no, I mean... The, Why'd you do the, that? I don't know. Um, there must you do, go on. There, there must be some kind of of crossover here. There's. I've always suspected... Um, mm. Let's assume, let's mm. let's assume for the moment that Shakespeare did indeed write his work. Um, let's let's ride the bus with that. Well,
1: thought. let's just, just just go with it because it's obviously fact. Yes, mm-hmm. yes.
0: Let's go with that. All those links there. I mean, mm. it's it's strange now, isn't it, to think you know, in these degenerate times, that somebody would be willing to die for the sort of affiliation with the brand of Christianity it's the same it's the same religion however mm. it, it fundamentally differs doesn't it on a, a few points and i think that again it goes back to this why were they so so why were they so allied with the church of rome why did they not just chuck the lot in and just go all oh, right okay yeah let's just flip the pope's portrait round or christ the king whatever mm-hmm. To one of the queen who's now the head of our church or the king in this case, why were they so asked about remaining true to Rome? Um, a lot of it, I suppose, is education, isn't it? You know, this is the true church. You're going to hell if you don't stick with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And secondly, I think a lot of it speaks to the the mindset of people at the times. Why, why should we give up? Because the only art being religious art then, all the music, all the painting, all the sculptures to the glory of God
1: yeah absolutely
0: and, and when henry the eighth you know he picked on the commandment thou shalt not create false <coughs> and 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 wiped off go art. the monasteries yeah 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 well, wiped out art overnight so yeah, it's all an... that, not that you like the color and you like you you yourself even mm. though you're not uh you don't subscribe to the dogma mm. you oh. love all the pomp and ceremony and the color and the
1: Oh, I absolutely I do. I mean, when I was over in Dubrovnik sorting things out there uh, a week or so ago, um, I think it would have been a week today, when I spent a good half hour um, in this beautiful, beautiful old uh, Roman Catholic church um, that I that I wandered into, and I, I do I I love the atmosphere. I love everything about it. But you know what ruined it? Right. I'm sat there, just just sat there having a good old think. And things like that. And I played the part. I went up to the altar and did the cross. I mean, it's, it was. I knew. I looked to camera three at one point. I'll be honest with you. I absolutely did. Nobody else in there, but having a jolly nice time of just of just playing the role of strong arm goes to church. And it was. And it was <laughs> all lovely. Strong arm takes holy orders. That's the one. And then it was all lovely. And then a couple of American tourists came in and started doing that evangelical Christian singing. I have never been so angry in all my life. Absolutely well, not.
0: They are debasing your concept of Christianity. Aside from the sort of hatred of Americans, no. you've got that coming in, and that's what I mean. I mean, so a lot of the English—see, what we know as the English identity—is very much yeah. based upon the the sort of Victorian concept of being British, isn't it? You know, well, that's in songs book. of
1: praise. That's that's but, church.
0: Yeah, but at that time, you know, the the concept of Englishness would have been more. What we would now associate um, with—I'm trying to think of the word for those guys in Italy, not pompadours or whatever—but you know, it was very sort of frilly and colourful, and the macaroni sort, the macaroni sort of, yeah. Even though that was a little further on, but yeah, that was the English characteristic back then. We were a colourful people. We were, um, you know, we were more European. Let's just say.
1: No, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And it's an interesting one, the whole, the way that art was thought of at the time. You're, you're right that basically music and, and what you could read and what the stories that would be told to you, the vast majority was indeed religious. And that's why you get this lovely separation. I, I love doing this with, the, with the, our students where I show them a picture and it's um, von Klescher's um, panorama of London that he painted in, mm. I think it was in 1606, <laughs> and you've got both sides of the Thames, and I show it to them, and I say, what's that? And they say London, and I go, Egh. half. The north half is London, the south half is Southwark, and mm. the key point there is, of course, that the north half, um, the north side of the Thames, is Puritan-ruled, it's Christian-controlled. The south side is not, and that's why the theatres are on the south side. The burr-baiting pits are on the south side. That's where you would have to go for a bit of bawdiness and that sort of thing. Yeah. That was where the Puritans hated, of course. They hated... So when
0: they stam- when Henry Tudor, Henry VIII, stamps down an outlaw's art, effectively, mm. and he squashes all the sort of religious idolatry, then, because you can't crush the spirit of the people, it no. starts to ooze out and gives yeah. birth to theatre. It I absolutely mean, it's, does, It's yeah. arguable that you wouldn't have any of that had not Henry VIII, you know, gone through the... had not the country gone through the Reformation. Because no, absolutely. Because that soul has to go somewhere, that spirit, that, mm. that joy has to go somewhere.
1: Well, it does. I mean, before this, what we're talking about is liturgical drama. So you're talking about the passion plays and uh, the mystery cycles and those sort of things. So you're, you're talking very much about theatre existing. Publicly, you know, you didn't have theatres. You're talking about putting them in... in players performing these in market squares and theatre that is just there to basically preach and say thou shalt not to provide people with a a glimpse, another way of spreading the word of Christianity with showing them the the Nativity or the Easter story and the crucifixion and that is theatre for a very long time you know after the romans go and we don't have theaters anymore what you've got is liturgical drama whilst we're living under feudalism um so there is absolutely there is an explosion after that of of art and music and color and theater you're quite right um i should imagine
0: he'd have been appalled to find that 300 years later his reforms (laughs) would have led to liberalism and everything that has followed you know
1: oh absolutely i, it's w- I weird, would think isn't it? so you got the yeah.
0: squash and rise squash and rise and it's not just here then it's it's that's humanity you it just is can't kill but i still find it really strange that so many people were so in love with that you know that roman ideal of the world that they were willing to die for it it's very well, um incongruous to our current mindset
1: it, it well it is but then it, we're only 25 years past the good friday agreement you know but yeah, past yeah, that I'm, time
0: i'm am speaking specifically about the english mentality sorry I right should,
1: yeah I no should. no no um i
0: mean that I, is that, the the war in ireland that's been raging that was due to so you've got henry VIII, the 8th reformation then mm-hmm. you've got squeeze all this like oh you know shakespeare times where yeah. everyone's just having fun albeit in a tolerated kind of red light district yes uh, uh, of it of art music and then you've got Cromwell thunk who comes down Mm. he's like that no and then Cromwell goes over and you know what he does to Ireland is yes and Cromwell began the conflict that as you rightfully Mm. say was resolved only 25 years ago so there's all cause and effect there and it's all identity and people are asked people are Mm. really really asked about this identity
1: it's it's
0: it's um but it's interesting that people in this country would feel such allegiance, <clears throat> you know, with um, the chap in the big hat in Rome.
1: I think what it comes down to is what you touched on before, really, which is life for the vast majority of people was shit. It, mm-hmm. it really was shit, you know. You you worked hard and you died, and that was your life. And if you lived within London, if you made it past 40, you were doing bloody well. And so that's where you get the idea, which, which is taught to you, which is yes, life is shit, But the next bit's really good, so you want to make sure that you are on the right side, and you know you will fight for that. I suppose I I imagine that's what it is. Yeah,
0: it's a heresy, isn't it? Mm, Yeah. So you know you think you're going to hell if Mm. you uh, ally with that, but it must have been very strange. It must have been very strange if you saw the whole world change around you, whereby you are effectively living in Sodom and Gomorrah. No, absolutely. And, and that's, that, hence, I mean, the strength of feeling being so strong, yeah, that uh, Cromwell was able, you know, to put us under the uh, Common Law, was it? What? Was that's it, right. It? Yeah, was of law? the Protectorate. Yeah, yeah the that's protectorate, right. Yeah. So,
1: <clears throat> I, I mean, there's that, but I, I think we've also got to think in terms of these things were real to these people. You know, the 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 ideas that you see in in the art of the time of hell. Being this sort of fiery furnace and people shoving pitchforks up your arse. That is absolutely what they believed. You know, to we're talking about people that you know, I love the idea of Jack Frost as a character who I was pictured as Mr. Snow from the Mr. Men. But Jack Frost to these people was a real imp. And he would literally run through the countryside and where he went, a bit like the Groke from the Mumins, where he went, he left snow and coal behind him. He was real. In the mm. same way as furries were real. So to extend that on, that's just folklore. To extend that then on to something that you are told by the state is real. It's no stretch of the imagination to imagine that these people 100% believed in, in this. Absolutely, yeah. at the end
0: of feudalism, <clears throat> you know, it comes hot on the heels of that. Mm. It's, it's, I mean, we're not talking about something that happened overnight. You know, it's oh, no. it I took mean, hundreds of years of gradual change.
1: But I think that to have lived through that time, nevertheless, it was a time of huge change. And it was a time of paranoia. And we've, we've um, touched on the whole uh, thing of um, what we can now call a police state. Um, we, we touched on that the other week, didn't we? But you're talking about a paranoid society. Nothing, nothing was private at the time, nothing at all.
0: No, no, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's, mm. it's, it's so you see when we when we cast ourselves into that world, we base, we very much are still living with the the moral hangover of Victorian times. And mm-hmm. the Elizabethan times were not those and the Jacobean times were not and it's, it's strange, isn't it that the mindset was so fixed in that part, it's, it's interesting to, you know, from a, a sort of sociological point of view, to watch the character evolve and how people change and how people are co opted into the new normal. It can't it, it, have been a very settled period of history as well. No, know,
1: absolutely. But then are. again, I think that it's as, it, it does feel as though there were these big shifts in character, in identity, and people wanting to push that forward. Whereas now, you're right, we've, there are so many hangovers from Victorian times which wow. affect us in terms of social mobility and they affect us terribly in terms of sex and all that sort of thing. It really does. <clears throat> so there now seems to me, it feels, as though there is a desire to cling on to that moral time. Maybe because people feel that it's getting out of hand, I don't know, but there is, we're not pushing ourselves, we, we aren't progressing. We've got
0: no living links to it now. No. Non, so everything <clears throat> we know is is romanticized. Mm. You know, the whole concept of romantic love, for example, is mm. something that's evolved in fiction over the last couple of hundred years. You know, it starts with poetry and all this other stuff. Um, and so all this sort of star-crossed lovers and the one and blah, 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 blah is very much a result of conditioning and programming. Mm. You know, it, it's, it's interesting because that is the dominant um force within our art isn't it you know kiss kiss bang bang as, as they say it, it, it sells and it's it's so strange isn't it the way in which art shapes cult, uh, art shapes life and it goes back and to and back and to and oh yeah it was interesting that you said i didn't i didn't really know that about macbeth that mm. it's a, a, com- a completely different cultural context oh yeah so so effectively I'm doing The Bloody Woman off Channel Four News. What is it, Kathy Newman? What you're yeah. saying is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is there's probably a line to be I, I think you are definitely mm. saying this. There's a line to be drawn between the you know, the context Shakespeare was writing within and the content of his plays, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that mm. and I think for me it's that sort of thing which is obviously we can drosh about with the idea of did he write it, did it not, did he not? But if you look at Shakespeare's life, and link those moments of his life up with when these plays were written, there's, a, there's such a correlation. There is such a correlation between the events that he was living through and the things he was writing about. Um, even, even when you look at his later plays, when he's losing his gift, he's losing his knack, and he writes Coriolanus, which is basically Coriolanus is basically just an old man stood there shouting at young people, saying, why don't you respect me? Um, he wrote those bits, and then you've got Thomas Middleton coming in who's writing all the other bits of Coriolanus, and it's just young people shouting, oh, bugger off, Coriolanus, you old fart. You get the, this lovely sort of um, joshing going on between uh, Middleton and Shakespeare there. But no, there's an, an absolute correlation. The other thing that's interesting um, Sorry, is I that... can I just
0: say Coriolanus Street? That's all I wanted to say.
1: <laughs> there's, there's a lovely thing as well, of course, which with Macbeth, which is all right, I would never sit here and say every word of Shakespeare he wrote because none of the original scripts survive. We've got annotations on some scripts which we believe are in his hand, that sort of thing, which is, you know, that that's fabulous to have. But in terms of original scripts, we ain't got them because, of course, well, they didn't survive the test of time. Shakespeare would have written a script... And then for the players, because paper was expensive, they weren't given a full Mm. script. They were given their lines, a cue script. They'd have the line before, then they'd have their lines and the line after. And that's all. And actors would have just learnt them and discarded them. Don't need them. They're locked in the head now. We're talking about a time in education don't forget, where people had to memorise huge amounts of information. That was what that's why we still have the an exam system it was all about what can you retain um, so you had actors who could draw this information in and, and lock it, lock it into their memories. Scripts from the time don't exist we don't have them we've got various editions that were printed but you've got them of varying qualities you had the equivalent which I love of the pirate video industry where people would sit there and scribble the script down as quickly as they could run off to the printers and they'd print it but of course you're you're literally listening to actors and trying to write it down so but with Macbeth there's an interesting one there, which is that the, um, the witches sequences, all the Hubble, Bowl, Toil and Trouble and all that stuff, that's not Shakespeare. And the theory behind the reason for that is because Shakespeare, being a country boy, Shakespeare used what would have been thought of at the time as real spells. And that stuff right. was taken out and that stuff we know has been replaced and written right. in by someone else because right. it was all censored. Every single play was censored by the Lord Chamberlain. You know, well, there's that
0: office. lovely bit in uh, <coughs> Stars of Barchester. Sorry mm. to jump track so much. Mm. There's that lovely bit with Eric Chitty and Robert Hardy where they're at the stump of the hanging tree, aren't they? And, <coughs> and uh, they're talking about how, you know, um, the old ways are dying out. It, mm. It's very much uh, MR James making a comment on this, this folklore this death yes. of folklore. In the same way, Tolkien's really sort of trying to address the 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 final death of the Anglo-Saxon, um, hmm. what's the word? S- um, superstition as such, yeah uh, which is what it was regarded as. And just at that moment, with you mentioning Jack Frost, just at the moment, Eric Chitty and Robert Hardy are talking about it. I believe Sam still believe in the old ways and whatever he says. Mm. And just at that moment, <clears throat> presuming it's Gordon Clark <clears throat> and it's FX, you see that the snow... Just begin to fall. Yes. And it's a lovely touch that because there is this elemental element of what a tautology. There is this elemental aspect of mm. the English character, of of the sort of the Celtic, the Anglo Saxon. It's it's that continuum of superstition that still runs alongside and parallel with Christianity mm. <clears throat> because obviously they sort of co opt uh, pagan festivals and, da, 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 da. and you have this bridling don't you Mm. of different mindsets and worldviews and if you go to the liverpool museum i'm sure you've seen it the the garb that they found i don't know where it was preserved the anglo-saxon whatever it is the medieval peasants outfit and the they've got the crucifix and then in the other pocket they've got the little reticule, the little crystal ball, because you never
1: know. You never know, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing, like we were saying before, you know, you want your side to be right, you want the Church of Rome to be proved right, but you never know. There is that suspicion. And of course, that's when we go back through the Dark Ages, that's when we're going back pre-Roman to all that lovely stuff that wasn't written down, never Mm. written down. Um, Or was
0: it? And destroyed? I mean... Well, you know, yeah, we have that. You know, all conquerors have that year zero mentality where they mm-hmm. rewrite history, and that's why you, <clears throat> you know, I've sort of. There's a lot of people who totally question history. Have you heard of this Tartary thing? T no, a t r t a r t a r y. Wow. So I know the phrase a Tartar
1: because yes. my
0: mum used to say my granddad was a Tartar, which is like a strict disciplinarian. Yeah. Um. So apparently the Tartars. Right. Um, occupied a land called Tartary and so hmm. people who believe that there was a kingdom called Tartary um, produce old maps with Tartary on it which shows what we would now refer to as Russia as Tartary right. so uh-huh. right okay all right we've got that far okay so then they go further to say that Tartary greater Tartary was the whole of Europe well everything we know so what we are effectively all our great monuments, all our great buildings, all our history, so all our history is fabricated, mm. and all our great buildings were actually uh, those of the Empire of the Tartars. So everything that you think you know about history is fabricated, which is, um, I think, this is another eventual, um, eventuality of mm. the. Of the world we're living in, where it's post-truth, fake news, duh, 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 duh. <clears throat> so now you're starting to go back, and mm. now you start to say, oh, okay, if news is fake, then history's fake as well. So, and if you go onto YouTube and type in tar- Tartaria, the Kingdom right. of Tartaria, you can watch some fascinating videos, um, and that would be all very well i can accept that all the they could fabricate history books and they can fabricate this and they can fabricate that but then you've got the the anecdotal evidence haven't you like peeps's diary you've got stuff like you know it goes on there's, the so the were, there were ordinary people mm. also documenting the world they lived in
1: yeah mm. absolutely
0: but it's fascinating that people are throwing everything away <clears throat> and 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 so when we come to the end of ages, as we are, aren't we? Let's be honest. This is the end of a, a, an epoch, a, mm-hmm. a oh mindset, God, yeah. or whatever you, you want to look at it. <clears throat> you would throw away the past. Yes. It, it, psychologically, it'd probably be too traumatising for you. So you go, oh, no, well, that's everything that's ending's is all bollocks anyway.
1: Yeah, I suppose so. So... I was I was about to ask. So, with the whole with, with Tartaria, do you believe it? But there's no way of knowing. God, God, it could be true. Some of
0: the history books, the passages they provide, are, are fascinating. Mm. Are, are fascinating. You know the stuff that they produce and the maps that they produce with Tartaria on it. I think probably what Tartaria <coughs> was was uh, the a uh, sort of arcane nomenclature for for Russia and mm. all them countries. You know, we yeah. know that landmass is there, but we're not. We can't get in there, so we'll just no. call it that.
1: We'll call it that, and we'll assume that there are things happening there.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's that. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, wow. You know, yeah. You talk about the Dark Ages. I feel like we're um, entering into an intellectual Dark Age, where everything's up, nothing's off the table.
1: It's it's amazing, isn't it? it I always love to. Every now and again, I listen to this lovely recording of um, Stephen Fry, Christopher Hitchens, and Joan Bakewell at the Hay Festival. And she's talking about religion, and in the 60s, how science was winning. And we knew that science was about to win. And all of this sort of like mythology and that, we were leaving it all behind, science was now in charge. And then she says, but it didn't win. And that's I think the... it
0: did. I think it did.
1: But then why are we stepping back? We're because not, we are. It's another
0: religion. It's another religion with its adherence. I mean, COVID's shown us that, hasn't well, it? You know how people have been divided more than ever.
1: Well, all right, it has.
0: The science.
1: Well, yeah, but on the other hand, you do, you do still now have, you've, you've had a resurgence in, uh, in Christianity, for example, but I put that entirely down to money and America. Um, but, but there is it's still there it's it's still well, going science
0: has asked us to uh, to accept some data that has proved has been become provably false now and so right. if if science starts to buy and eat itself by buying into its own dogma because oh no we'll just falsify this because it it fits our ideological viewpoint then Mm -hmm. it becomes as untrustworthy as religion and and what we've got is a world where people don't trust the media they don't trust the government and by logical extension they're they're starting to distrust science history everything and it's Mm -hmm. it's weird because it's kind of ideological possession from every single point of the compass you know i mean we're talking about 15% of people here who, who right. tend to be very vocal and control narratives. Right? Yes. As Theresa May herself said, Twitter is not Britain, no. right? But very true. they tend to shout, shout the loudest, these people. So either side of any of these debates are still a tiny percentage of people. Mm. Um, but you've got this sort of this on one side, You've got a, a group of people who trust everything. And then on the other side, you've got half people are being driven mad by what they see on the telly and what they read in newspapers. The other half are being driven mad by what they read on the internet. I think that's the best way I can put it. Mm. Yeah. And this distrust, we're not, I'm not used to it. I'm not used to it. As far as I'm concerned, everything, I, when we grew up, for example, mm. everything seemed rock solid. Yes. The BBC, the government—whether you like them or not, mm. whether you like them or not—you felt they were principled, mm. and they actually, whatever they believed in, they acted out on. Yes. And now everything just seems easy to change. You know? I mean, could you imagine that when we were kids, this mini-budget thing being, "Oh no, we're not going to do that now." Whoa! Could you imagine that?
1: Absolutely not.
0: No. <laughs> it no, would there have was being dogged, sticking to it. <laughs> no, no, no. no. And it would have just been carried through until there was carnage.
1: Well, that's it, because the lady's not for turning, and she none bloody of them well was. were for turning. Harry Wilson,
0: none of them. Mm. And I and feel that. We're in times where nothing is tangible and nothing is stable. And so you can start to say, oh, no, no, Elizabeth I was a man. Oh, no, 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 there was no British Empire. No, it was Tartaria and Mm. we just inhabit the buildings.
1: But we're also (laughs) in a time where the lunatics are in charge because they are so vocal and they've got a platform now, of course. Mm. So it's so much easier to get out there and and shout uh, at a government, an inept government, I mean, at least back in the 70s it did feel as though these people had some intelligence, some thought process behind what they were trying to do, whereas now does not it just seems to be, oh, panic, do that. No, didn't work. Do I that know. instead. I know, it's crazy. That's gone. So obviously everything's going to then be unsettled. It's, yeah, strange time It's, it's strange
0: though, isn't it? Because I had this sort of, um, what's the phrase they use? Um... I can't remember, there's a phrase that they use for people believing that things will never change. Mm. So there seem to be constants in our world. And yes. you'd look back at history and go, how did that ever happen? And mm. now you see it crumbling around you. It's like, shit, man. Yes. yes. And and I think that leads to a lot of anxiety. I think there's a lot of anxious people around. It was mm. so focused on the big picture. They're letting their own lives crumble and their own psychology crumble. Mm-hmm. How true. did we get into this conversation? I don't
1: know. <laughs> I don't know. Uniformitarian.
0: Uniformitarian yes. mindset is what I had. Right. I never. I, you know, I might hate the government, but I thought it was stable. Yeah. You know, I might hate what was on the television. Well, okay, I, I don't like it. However, it's constant. That it was is, there. Yeah. Now everything's just. Oh no! Let's ch- no, no. It's okay. Let's change the prime minister. Let's change mm. our policies. Let's change this. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's absolutely it crazy, and I can see why people would, especially if they've not had a decent educate, decent education, well, proper start, education, dear, start to question um, history. It's crazy. Mm. I, I think that we're kicking away the supports on everything. Mm. Intellectual Dark Age, dear boy. That's oh, what I think. Yeah. Yes, That's I what think I think. Possibly right. I think you're possibly um, right. I probably How? think it's time. Oh, sorry. Go on.
1: Were you about to say it's time for a bit of education for the people? Well, I wasn't, but I I think
0: that's a great thing to say.
1: I was. I was about to say at this point, of course, uh, with it being bonfire night, it is probably quite important that we remind people of certain do's and don'ts, isn't it? Which also means that I have a chance to go to the lavatory.
0: I was going to say it's time for a break, but you said it's so much better.
1: Yes, So, um, yeah, because there are important things to be aware of on a day like today, which we would like to remind you of. Uh, from a time when things were shot on 16 mil. And yes. I can recharge my massive goblet that on this occasion is not full of Eubank's smoothie. Um, mm, yes,
0: yes. What yes. is it today then? Looks like something that uh, Vincent Price would quaff in Dr. Fives.
1: Absolutely the case. Or it could be that lovely cheap black currant juice that Aldi are doing at the moment. Ah, Very good. Aldi. Yes. Aldi.
0: Okay then. Right. Um, yes, go on. You can take us out there.
1: Okay, so we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Even a sparkler can be dangerous if you don't take care. A sparkler stays hot even when it's out. Make sure your child doesn't start November the 6th like this all the way must have hurt like
0: hell oh yes yes Ooh, i remember yeah. it really really well i mm. do remember that well and it stopped me picking up sparklers after they'd gone out
1: D- it did do you know what though i i actually saw someone do that um yeah? when uh we used to have uh Bonfire nights uh, parties, which we'd alternate each year between our house and the family who lived over the road, the Cunninghams, who were Catholic, incidentally. So the road was divided there, even. Um, and one year I do remember, oh, yes, and one year I remember going over to uh, to theirs. I can't remember who it was, but I distinctly remember someone picking up a sparkler that had only just gone out, and it was that freeze frame of that that scream. Which, I that freeze frame scared the crap out of me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's lingered long in the memory, that.
1: Well, yeah, because there's no conclusion. It's just pain forever. Mm. Oh, that did the (sighs) trick.
0: I did do it once. I remember doing it. Because Mm. effectively, what you've got are sort of uh, welding rods, aren't you? The sort yeah of welding rods the thinner things than welding rods but with uh, stuff stuck around them I used that's to exactly look. it yeah all we had was sparklers <laughs> yeah when i was a kid um and we used to go around andrew horrocks's house to mm. watch the uh the the fireworks yes yes fireworks were for well everyone had more money than us so that's hardly no, yeah. surprising no. hardly surprising <laughs> But um, people did do the thing of keeping it in the biscuit tin and all the other business. They really did adhere to the firework code. I mean, you watch television. Do they still Do they still tell you to follow the firework code?
1: No, I don't think they do, actually. I dare say, because Newsround is still going, I hmm. imagine that there'll be something on Newsround that'll say, don't do this, but it's all online now, so I wouldn't know. Do they know.
0: still have biscuit tins?
1: I, um, yeah, well, I, I saw a tin of biscuits for sale today. So tin. they are still tin, yeah.
0: Right okay so they still So they they
1: are, yeah they are still there but I only ever see them at this time of year when suddenly you get buy this now for christmas that sort of thing. Oh aye, then, yeah biscuits yeah.
0: you're not allowed to eat for a two months.
1: Absolutely ooh, yeah so that didn't ooh. last with
0: me I got very good at that just really? removing the cellar tape around the top and just setting in on the uh, on the bickies.
1: Well there were two layers of course. Oh so yes go for the second layer and then when it's opened on the big day there's a lovely full layer there and then all you've got to do is just replace them. Um, over the course so that you end up with, who's badges. eaten the first layer? Don't worry, there's a whole second layer and it's intact. It's oh, yes. gone. Gone. Yes.
0: Fatso's had it.
1: Yes. Um, oh,
0: I was great at stealing food as a kid. Really? Oh, superb at it. Opening mm. cans underneath was my favourite. Oh, that's so, a clever one. So you'd open the can from the bottom, empty it all out, scoff, and then mm. give it a rinse mm. and then place it back in the cupboard and it looks unopened.
1: But at some point, presumably, someone would have gone to the cupboard. Oh, yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Did you not think that far ahead? At the time? Oh, of course
0: not. You're a child. You don't think of consequences. I don't think of them now, to no, be honest. No, but no. I remember me mum opening the can and ended up looking through the hollow tube. And, um, yes, justice was swift
1: Yes, and merciless. Yes, I can say. imagine.
0: Oh, but it was great. My nan used to bake meat and potato pies, and I sussed out how to scoop the filling out from under it, you know, under the crust. From when the old Frey uh, Bentos. Oh, no, no. Pie. These were my Nan's pies. You know, oh, right. Sh- short crust pastry job. Beautiful oh. pie. And then she cut into it, you know, the day after it'd be like, because hey. there was nothing, <laughs> nothing in the pastry. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, opening loaves carefully and then fluffing them out to look as oh. though slices hadn't been taken. Oh, that oh, is. Oh, yes. Greedy, what is it that, um, what's the name? Patrick Malahide in the Pickwick papers. What does he say? Oh. Fat boy, greedy boy, can't be trusted. Yes. <laughs> 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 oh, aye. Oh. Yeah, Patrick Malahide in wigs was always is still a delight. Oh, absolutely. Patrick Malahide was superb.
1: Wonderful. You know, absolutely brilliant. loved him in anything.
0: Yeah. Do you know the scene you won't you've never watched Minder? There's a scene in Minder mm-hmm. where they smuggle tobacco. And they're in the Winchester at the end. And there's an inflatable dinghy there. And Malahide goes, watch this. You know, he's Charlie Chisholm, the mm-hmm. copper. And he pulls the string and Poof! this thing is an instant. Th- and on the commentary, you can probably find it on YouTube. The thing, this massive dinghy, <laughs> bang. Like, mm-hmm. And it does make a huge exploding sound. I don't know how these things work. How can someone like that inflate with her? I know, it's anyway, amazing. His legs go from being just like a aside this thing poof, to being astride <laughs> stride. And he leans on the bar at the Winchester, and he's like And if you watch it now you know with his commentary, he's going redder and redder and he's in agony because it just flung so his I, legs
1: So He's he's stood over it when he's it
0: astride this oh inflatable dinghy pulls the corner, watch this, pulls the card on it, and it's bang and it's uh. poof, instantly a dinghy. And if you watch that now, you'll see he just leans on the winchester and he's like... <laughs> until the guy's like cut and then it with have been,
1: And you <laughs> know, agony. something like that, that would have been one take, wouldn't it? It would have been, we've got oh, yeah. one dinghy, let's do it in one. You'll be fine, Patrick. You'll be all right. Thunk. No rehearsal. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: <laughs> yeah, his commentary on it is brilliant. He just said it was absolute agony oh god you know hospital job it yeah wasn't, it wasn't just like that hurts it was like i'd like to go to the hospital now and he went to the bloody you know he was taken there after the show oh my god
1: it's a, hell, hell, shot, it's a cracking that's shot that it's a crack that's wonderful that's it's wonderful. how
0: ready he goes and and i've never noticed it ever yeah never noticed it he keeps his composure and you know they get the take
1: it's amazing, isn't it, that we're so concerned with sort of health and safety in certain ways and saying, don't pick up the sparkler, you'll end up in hospital. But on the other hand, when it came to things like that, there was no such thing as health and safety. We don't know what's going to happen. Let's give it a go and find those out.
0: Houston films, the Sweeney, those chases, the roads weren't locked off or anything. They just really? did them. Yeah, they just did them. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking crazy. You see people leaping out the way. And stuff like that, you know. I assume
1: this was all very carefully choreographed and stuff, no? Just stick a camera out the back of a low loader, run. That's it. Off we go. Ding, ding, ding,
0: ding, 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 ding. You know, I actually watched the first episode again the other day. Ringer. It's Mm. such a good episode. You know, they really went for it on the first episode, you know. Yeah. Um, Brian Blessed and uh, Mr. Lotus Eaters himself was in it.
1: Oh now I saw that first episode when we had lovely Frank Muir doing TV Heaven on channel Four and they showed that first episode and that was the first time I saw it and that was just whoa spellbinding stuff
2: it's especially
1: to see Blessed because I was used to Brian Blessed being Brian Blessed and to suddenly see him and he looks greasy as I remember like he looks gray. a bit sweaty he made his beard gray. Yeah, that's it. He, he looks unkempt and I I just, there's a the feeling of grime that mm. I'd not encountered before, being a good BBC boy, of course, well, yes. in 1992. I mean, that was my first sort of encounter with all ITV was because TV Heaven on Channel 4 only had access to the ITV archives, not the BBCs. So to see these programmes, I think that was the first time when I had a little, little inkling of, oh, have I been missing out on this? Oh, you certainly I like. have. You've yeah. never really
0: caught up with the Sweeney?
1: No, no, I never have. I've got them. I've got them <gasps> cheeky downloads, but I've I've never just sat down and done a oh, lot, and I should.
0: Yeah, yeah, you've got to. It's brilliant. Mm. It starts to fall off, like obviously all these things do. There's the episode with Markham and Wise and mm. and stuff like that, you know. But I presume that's because they had gone to Thames and, you know.
1: Yes, I suppose you've got to make a big thing of that, absolutely. Though, well, you've got prize John Thaw
0: and Dennis Waterman turn up in the Markham and Wise shop. Um, are you looking askance for something, dear?
1: Looking for my drink. I've forgotten it. Doesn't matter. It's fine. I'll continue.
0: Goblet Ooh. of wine. Got any nice things this week, then?
1: Well, I do, actually. Yes. Yes. I've i I've got uh, I've got a very nice thing, and this Mm. is a little sneak preview for you potentially of something that's Mm. uh, coming up. Now then, I'm not going to attempt an unboxing video because that's gone wrong previously. But luckily, this is normal. Oh yeah, very popular. Thanks. Um, However, well, I've got two things actually. Now this is a thing I brought back from Dubrovnik. Here we are. I always like to get myself. a... I brought me little uh, paintings back, but I'm going to show this to the camera. Look at this.
0: Oh, the little frog um, got percussion l- thing.
1: Got me, so a little frog and I've got a little thing here and if I stroke the frogs back... Yeah. Well, we used those
0: in um, oh. in the Sir Henry show. We had one Yes,
1: those. yeah. Now, this is just... It's a marimba, isn't it, really? But this is just the nicest thing. Sounds like a thing. frog. Sounds just like a frog. He had, he had three different sizes of frog and I... Yeah, so I, I went for a biggie. Um, so there's that. Brought him back. And also then... What's in the envelope, Mike, Ooh, I wonder. What's now, in the
0: envelope?
1: Had had everything gone to plan, this would have ended up going back to the depot this morning, but luckily my computer didn't work, so I was able to open to the door to the post lady, and in here we have something that's rather lovely. Ooh. Oh, here we go. Are you ready for this? The Children of the Stone ah, soundtrack.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Look at this Beautiful now then. thing.
1: For those of you who haven't watched Children of the Stones, sort that out. I believe yes. it's on YouTube. Um, yes. The DVD now goes for about 80 quid. Does it really? Uh, it really does. Yeah, that's the network one. I've got the one from before that, uh, the second site release. You can't find that anywhere. Um, but the network one is going for about 80-odd quid. Uh, but pff, the soundtrack to Children of the Stones is phenomenal. It's... Um, Sydney Sager and the Ambrosian Singers who the provide the soundtrack. The soundtrack is remarkable. It's this a cappella um how do you even describe it? It's just it's what maybe the druids could have sounded like mm. when they were calling out to the gods maybe. Um yeah. but it's scurry atonal weird stuff that that we've got there. And anyway, so um Finally, after what, forty-six years, I think, forty-six years on, and we've got the Children of the Stones um, on on record. And what you'll really like is no barcode.
0: Oh yes, yes. No
1: barcode on this baby. Um, so yeah, we've got um, so we've got an actual album that has been released, and I believe it's only a one-sided LP. Yeah, it's it's etched, isn't it? The other side. No, it's not. It's just black. Oh, I thought uh, it was etched. No, but you know what? I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. But Because uh, there was only 18 minutes uh, that was uh, recorded of Children of the Stones' music for the seven episodes. Um, but yes, that's turned up. I'm very happy to have Oh, this
0: yes, one. yes. Oh. I haven't been allowed to buy it yet.
1: No, not yet. No, mm. not allowed. Um, but um, yeah, I shall, I shall be enjoying this later. What about you? Anything nice? Well, yes, actually... Um, Following on uh, from
0: last week's Kenny book, um, mm-hmm. I realised, I don't know how I missed this, but the magnificent Graham McCann has um, written a Frankie Howard book. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know how I missed this. Uh, oh. Frankie Howard's stand-up comic, uh, right. which I'm looking forward to uh, Devout, It goes on the pile, of course. Yes. Um, of I've course, got yeah. so much stuff, but I'm, lo- I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, Francis... No, that's, yes. that's not Frank. that's Francis Bacon, Tom Baker's impression of him, isn't it? Yeah. Um but Frankie's a fascinating character. I didn't realise it says if you just I mean what we all do, I'm sure, is this just me or do do we all just go through the photographs when we buy a book? Oh immediately, yes. Immediately, yes. So in this there's a photograph of let me get this straight. Um no pun intended. Um there's a photograph of God the light in here is terrible. Uh, Dennis Hamer the love of Howard's life. Oh yes. Yeah, so I didn't know, I I always i believed the Bob Monkhouse um sort of tales of hmm. Frankie being quite uh, quite quite the predator. Really. Well,
1: yeah. Um who was it? Was it Rory McGrath? Um the bearded tit Rory McGrath, in one of his very early uh, roles in television, um, was called into Frankie's dressing room because he's got terrible problems with the back. And uh, McGrath was called in to give him a bit of a back rub, which Frankie Howard insisted had to be administered whilst he was completely bollico-naked. Right. Oh, yes. He'd be there lying face down on a sofa. Give the back a go. Um, Oh, yeah, that was... uh, well known for that sort of behavior oh,
0: he was he was oh, yes. indeed
1: yes yes i've i found something else incidentally within the envelope oh, um, poster look at this here we go let's get yeah. this open this is now i've actually got behind me uh yeah. on, the, on the board i've got just uh, one that i printed out but here we have the painting of milbury. Oh, look at this.
0: Oh, it's beautiful.
1: There's the actual copy of the actual painting. That's trunk it's,
0: records, isn't it this?
1: It is trunk records. Now this yeah. the records only available through the website and it is a limited release, it should be said. So, get a yes. copy. Get a yes, copy. This is, this to. is getting framed when the Oh, um, absolutely getting framed. Yeah, when the picture framer comes round again, sort of as happens quite often. We have a picture-framer, you know, door-to-door, like people have a milkman and a postman. But once, once every two months, a picture-framing chap comes to the door, knocks on the door, any pictures requiring frame? And uh, takes them away and delivers them back. <laughs> I, I, st- I got to Wilco. Wilco? Yes, yeah, Wilco,
0: and get a Ooh. frame. They're only a couple of pounds.
1: Oh, the, the picture-framing chap, uh, hand, uh, it's all hand-made, uh, this stuff.
0: He'll go you. to Wilco for you.
1: Oh, he'll do it for me, yeah. But he turns up in a nice suit and a little cap. And you go, oh, yes, I like picture-framing yes. chap.
0: Must be nice in your village.
1: It's lovely in the village. It is very Children of the Stones. It's quite difficult to leave. Yes, it's... happy day. Happy day, Happy children. day, absolutely. Happy day, children. So, yes, but, but that's the thing, isn't it? Children of the Stones got that lovely feeling. Even though it was shot in that blisteringly hot summer of 76, which everyone talks about a ladybird invasion. I can't remember. Uh, this I remember that,
0: yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, Was and it? the flying ants, and the flying uncles. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, I remember it. Don't Well, uh, you're, a, what, you're 18 months or two years younger than me? Or two years like younger than
1: no, I, I would have been, summer of 76, I would have been one, just, so oh, I, don't I don't remember, remember that. I
0: remember it really well, yeah. Mm. But then I can remember looking out of my pram. I can't remember what I did this morning, but I can remember oh. lots of things. Yeah, I can remember like childhood. But I remember with Children of the Stones, it was mm. definitely something that was shown in the winter. Because I can yes. remember coming home and it was dark outside and watching it.
1: Mm. And it's yeah. this is the perfect time of year to watch Children of the Stones. Oh, oh. absolutely. Coming up to Box of Delight season, dear. Well, coming up well. to Box
0: of Delight season. I mean, this week, it's been great. Uh, had to have a Vault of Horror the other night. Mm-hmm. Had to. I tried The Most Haunted live. Nothing happened.
1: Not much happened, I admit.
0: No, they were moving tables around and stuff like that. I was like, sod this. I'm having myself some amicus. It's weird with Vault of Horror. You're not really... um... I'll send you all the amicus films. You're not really um, well up on them, are you?
1: Not particularly, because they're films. Um, you've got a treat.
0: You've got a real treat. They are films but the Portmanteau films, so you've got four now, stories in one. This
1: is the thing. So we're talking about 20-25 minutes each. I can do That's I right. can do that. Although that said, an absolute treat for me every now and again, something that is just pure comfort that I can watch over and over and over. Peter Cushing in The Creeping Flesh. Oh. Yeah. I it love just... that film where they find a finger. And that's mm. all it is, isn't it? They find a finger and then it grows back into this hideous beast yeah. from, yeah, from yeah. somewhere in Sumatra or something. And then it robs his finger at the end and nobody will believe his story while he's in the asylum. And then that final shot of him pleading, clinging onto the bars of his cell. And the camera zooms in. You see he's now missing a finger because his has been taken to replace it. It's beautiful, Brilliant that Brilliant film. film.
0: Well, the Peter Cushing Appreciation Society, who are very kind, uh, mm. with with our show, which is lovely. And, yes, um, thank It's you. wonderful that yeah. um, they appreciate it. Post mm. some very interesting things on the Facebook page, one of which the other day was that the original plan for The Wicker Man was Peter Cushing to play the Edward Woodward role. Really? Yeah. I can't imagine that. I mean, I'd love to see an alternate reality version yeah. where, where Peter Cushing plays it. But, I mean, you know, Woodward is so perfect for that. He does that sort of, you know, there's that crossover there between the pagan and the Christian, obviously, that we were t- yeah, discussing. Yeah. Um, but he does that sort of, you know, repressed sexuality so, so well.
1: Mm, I really can't imagine
0: does. Peter Cushing doing that, 15 no, years older.
1: No, I, I think, you know what I find fascinating about The Wicker Man is, of course, we were all introduced to that edit that, uh, that exists, about 86 minutes or so, in which... I have nothing but sympathy for Edward Woodward in that role. And it's just, it's awful what happens to him. But then they uncovered the rest of the film and they've put it back together. And all of a sudden, with that extra context, I think, what a bastard. Good. It's amazing. John Waters.
0: John Waters had that cut.
1: Yeah, I think he did. Cause I the, think
0: they got it from him.
1: Yeah, the legend, of course, about it is that it ended up under the M25 the flyover, didn't it? Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's right, what yeah. the
0: documentary says. In many ways, the 86-minute version is superior. Mm. And I don't just mean in film quality. I think that I think they tightened it up and made it a much more appealing film. I remember seeing it as a kid, and mm. it was just one of those films that was on late at night, you know? Uh, yeah. And so it's burned in, no pun intended, to the memory, that image at the end.
1: mm that and final then, image is amazing when head, it collapses. Yeah. yeah, and when you listen to them on the commentary, they're like, mm, basically a pure fluke that yeah. we have got that shot with the sun behind. Pure fluke, it's zooming on the sun. Oh, but just but like iconic. one of those, a happy coincidence. These days, it needs to be planned for or CGI'd later. But just that, that everything you couldn't coming CG together. That. No, you couldn't. You could not. I mean, no. it, they
0: would, but it'd look crap.
1: Yeah. Have you ever
0: seen the Sylvester Stallone version?
1: What? No. I think no. it's
0: Sylvester Stallone. I'll, no, maybe Nicolas Cage. I can't. Remember no, it's Nicolas Cage. It's Nicholas Nicolas Cage. Cage. Yeah. Oh, no. Absolute
1: no. crap. Not the bees, as he shouts. Not the bees.
0: Have you seen it?
1: I have seen it.
0: And how bad is it?
1: Oh, it's awful. Mm. It's awful. I mean, Nicolas Cage. God love him, is a very dull actor. As far as I'm concerned, really? I don't. I don't enjoy him in anything. No. So. When I, when I realised that The Wicker Man had been especially ruined for a new generation, I felt I had to watch it. And Right. Oh, Christ, have you not seen it? It's no. awful. It's no. dreadful, mate. Right. I'm, I'm, oh, not, this, I'm not surprised. They put this wicker thing on his head and stuff it full of bees, and he's there screaming, not the bees, not the Did bees. Do they not and... chuck
0: him in a big wicker man and burn him? Well, it? they do
1: everything else, but they're like, oh, let's right. just do some extra horror. I mean, the horror of The Wicker Man is folk horror. It's taking... It's taking the commonality of everyday things around you and just Mm. making it look slightly unusual. Whereas here, it's telling
0: you the police don't offer safety. It's that thing I was saying about these are these are very unsafe feeling times because everything we've come to rely upon is. Uh
1: it's likely. absolutely that, and that's why, you know, we get the folk horror of those lovely public information films where you've got the figure of death standing next to a little lake with Donald Pleasance's voice, that sort of thing. So we were used to that fear of normality just being slightly twisted, you know, which mm-hmm. is why there's that lovely thing, not to go on, don't worry, London Raider, but one of the lovely things I love about Doctor Who was that Barry Letts was once... Uh, in a conversation with a member of parliament, he said, "Well, so long as you don't make the police scurry." And he's thinking, "Shit, we've got that in the th- first story of the new season yeah. where Pertwee rips the face off the policeman." It's a, it's an all time.
0: Well, it works so well. There's so you've not seen the Amicus films. Mm. Um, Vault of Horror marks a real change in them. They become very comedic. Oh, the f- the first story with Daniel and Anna Massey were mm. um, I won't spoil it for you, but it's it's comedy it's like hang on a minute we've seen a sea change here Hmm. then um the second story which is i'm trying to remember who it is it's terry thomas so it's a very comedic story about a bachelor in his 50s who uh takes a wife right um but he's stuck in his bachelor ways i won't i won't spoil any of it for you but again it's comedic um and then the third story which is, I can't remember his name, he's a German actor. I think he's German or American, one of the two. Yeah. Um, and it's the Indian rope trick one. Right. So he's a magician looking for new tricks for his show. And then the last one is Tom Baker. And it's Ooh. kind of more or less a retread of the Kenny Lynch story from Doctor Terror's. Right. You know, he's, uh, he's done, what was it, Gauguin, uh, who went to live on a Pacific island? That's right, yeah. Or was yeah. it Cezanne, I can never remember which. Um, and he's, he's, he's a painter who's done that. And he, he gets, he wants voodoo to improve his painting. Mm. And so he then goes back and takes revenge because he can paint. It's kind of a crossover of Dorian Gray and, um, you know, the, the Kenny Lynch story. Um, yeah. And he goes back. And this art critic and this art dealer who ripped him off made him sell his paintings for a pittance. Um, he paints them, and uh, he can damage the painting, and it damages them.
1: That's not the one where someone's hands get cut off,
0: is That's it? That's
1: it. Right. Oh, That's I need it. to see that. I've it's seen it.
0: Fantastic. A... You should watch Vault of Heart. I've got a beautiful Blu-ray of it oh. that I shall send you a copy of.
1: Oh yes, it's, go on. It's I'll
0: absolutely wonderful that film. If you've not seen it. It's no, brilliant, but uh, it marks a, a change to comedy, um, which I think it's six years later. The next one, which isn't Amicus, but it's still Rosenberg and Sabotsky, who mm. were kind of Amicus, um, who did the Doctor Who films as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they do a film called The Monster Club, mm. um, which is pure comedy, you know. Um, mm. And in one of those stories, he finally gets out of this village of zombies. Um, and he flags down a police ranger over. This terrified me at the time. Mm. And he flags down the police ranger over on the motorway because he's got out of this village. He's like, thank God, I'm in, I'm in the back. Look, there's this village. And oh, don't worry, sir, we'll radio it through. And you see the ranger over take off on the motorway. Then it turns off into the village. And he realises these are two of the elders oh. who, who patrol and bring back anyone oh. that, uh, that has escaped the clutches of the villagers
1: brilliant oh. film
0: brilliant film you need to wow. see the monster club you need to see I, all of them i think i do actually you yes. really do
1: because it's the right you, time of year for it as well it's the
0: perfect time of year and i think that you will get along with it because they're all little stories
1: okay i can go with that i can imagine mm. there's commercial breaks in there
0: put them in that's a shout you could sit there edit them on premiere if your laptop was working is it still not working
1: uh, it's, it's, apparently it's recording sound for me, but it uh, doesn't want to get on the internet lazy.
0: So are you doing anything special for Bummy Night?
1: Well, do you know what? Normally one would do something. However, yeah. um, the uh, the local display has been cancelled uh, for health and safety concerns. Oh my lord. And all the big council ones, uh, there's usually the big one over in Liverpool, and that's been cancelled because of funding. Really? So there's, yeah, there, there, there's no money for this stuff. So there's
0: nothing in Sefton Park
1: tonight. Apparent, not if it's council run. No, there's there's no cash. Because you so, used to
0: get that lovely Liverpool Lantern Company thing, didn't you, on Halloween in the park? Oh,
1: yeah, I was involved with them one year. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, that was which was great. fabulous stuff. But no, I'm afraid, and I don't know if it's because well, well, let's say there's no money, so that we don't encourage people to go and storm and blow up Parliament. But no, apparently there's an awful lot of these things being cancelled now. So.
0: Yeah. We used to shall... do our own. We used to burn everything, sofas, you name it.
1: Yes. All got oh, chucked on. I remember doing that. I mean, like I've said before, at the uh, bottom of the street, sort of second streets I lived in, this little proper terrace street where there was a patch of wasteland, and it was just because a bomb had been dropped there in uh, the Blitz, and there was nothing there. And that was where we'd head to. And that was one of those things where there was just a pile of shite because you didn't have anyone from the council who'd come round and collect this stuff, so once a year, get it all out there, set fire to it. Asbestos, yeah. ah, set fire to it. It's see what a happens.
0: Shit, chuck it on. Absolutely. We used to love chucking aerosols on them.
1: Oh yeah. Because the
0: bottom would blow out of them.
1: Yes. Oh, that but was. We, we made us own fun then. We did. We did. We did. Then we couldn't afford yeah. The fireworks. Yeah. Are you doing anything for it or?
0: No. No. <laughs> no. I'm. I've got a lot of work I need to get done. Yeah, so same here. I'm, so. uh, I shall. I've got a because um, I've got a, a loft room. I've got a mm. window in there, so I'm gonna. If there is the local display on, on mm. the uh, they used to set them all off on the banks of the Mersey and the river, uh, the you know the the famous bridge from Gh yes. the Runcorn Bridge, the yeah, old yeah. bridge as it is now. Um, so I'm gonna pop up there if it's on, and mm. I shall watch that through the window. May even film it.
1: Oh, that'd be nice. I'll, I'll send it from- to you. Send it to me and I can live vicariously because we can't have anything because of health and safety. But you don't but, need to uh, leave the house. No, there is that. That's nice. No, apart from that, though, I shall be uh, watching, of course, the Crossroads Motel burning down, which happened 41 years ago yesterday. Blended. Got to watch that each year. Um, yeah, I, I think apart from that, though, like you, there's, well, as we both have, there is work to be done at the moment. So. There is work to be done, and uh,
0: that's why I want to particularly crack on with it. Mm. Um... Also, might I don't know I might I might I might use my one Stone Tape token of the year mm-hmm. tonight. Oh! Although I feel I've already watched it this year, but I just love Michael Bryant in that. I just I just love all of them in it.
1: What's that phrase Simon uses? Um, balls out yeah. acting. Balls yeah. out acting. Oh, oh it, it is proper. Wonderful. He's
0: proper in that. You're being hysterical. Well, she's, yeah. It's Jane Asher, but what's the character?
1: Oh, I can't remember now. Jen? I gonna, Jen. Is it, it is you're Jen. You're being
0: hysterical, Jen. Slap.
1: Slap. Oh, yeah. yes.
0: No fucks given by Bryant in that. <laughs> it's balls out. Um,
1: Bryant's wonderful, isn't he? In that episode of Cold it's, where oh. he plays the chap who, does he lose does his mind it? or is he acting? Yes. Oh, Bryant is brilliant in that
0: he was superb it's it's just one of those weird weird things that he's not remembered in the same breath as all the other sort of you know vaguely known people
1: yeah it's, it's he, like, should, he really should be
0: absolutely he's stunning in that but everyone's mm. stunning in that yes.
1: um
0: who's the guy out of summer wine michael the guy out of uh, eight half yeah. bates yes michael bates is brilliant mm-hmm. in that yeah and, and think he's great in it uh, what's his name the the you know um terry and june the brother-in-law roger marsh ronald reginald
1: marsh, marsh. reginald marsh
0: reginald marsh who's actually in the tobacco smuggling episode of minder um oh. reginald marsh when he comes in is that crazy washing machine guy
1: yes who takes marsh is brilliant yeah. he's another actor I can watch endlessly he does a stint in crossroads in 82 and he mm. turns up playing playing a right wrong gun but does you know he? he's a bit of a bit of a jack- the Lad. but he's also he's a right bugger and in the end he has to flee the country but because in that storyline let's see his son is the local copper and his son uncovers that his dad's up to something and you get this lovely moral storyline in the end his dad's like you know rest me if we want I've stripped the house off to Spain Ashley. And he just leaves his son in the full police uniform, stood in this empty set. You know, he's a lovely, amoral character. Are um, they
0: all existing? The running all
1: does? existing? Yeah, everything oh. from '78 exists, but the right. full run. And it's um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Jean, Jean Kent, who'd been a big British film actress of the of the '40s and '50s. She turns up as his um, as his wife. Um. Oh God, they're those wonderful scenes, wonderful stuff. Oh,
0: he's great. He's great. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. You mentioned some... so. So you used to get these little stints in the soaps mm. where you would get someone class come in and it just lift it all. Like Sam Kid when he turns mm. up as Mike Baldwin's dad in Corrie.
1: Yeah, it's that great sort of thing. episodes. Or Max Wall when he came in and did three months oh. of Crossroads. But he got you know, fed you... up, didn't he? Oh, yeah, when he was asked about it later, what was your experience? I like, oh, terrible, just terrible. But it was the lines. There were so many, you know, you've got to learn the lines and you've got yeah. to get them right first time on that show. I think it, that was where he struggled. But you're right, you used to get storylines that would run. I, I noticed this when I first started watching Crossroads on UK Gold, that you get these storylines and they would always run for the same number of episodes. And it's because people would be contracted for three months and that's your lot, mm. you're out. Yeah. Um, and of course, we, we don't get that. I think we were talking the other day about the problem that we've got with soaps now is with Corrie doing six episodes a week. You know, it it it's doesn't nuts. mean that you're getting... it. It's mental, I mean, to try and do six a week. First of all, from a viewer's perspective, you've got to give three hours of your life a week to mm. one programme. Too much. And if you miss one episode, suddenly you're building up a bank of them. Do you just forget that one and jump forward or what? Yeah. So you've got that. But then the only way that you can record these programmes now is you've got to take the actors and basically say, right, you three live in this house, so we've got a storyline that we can shoot entirely in this house. And the lovely thing with Corrie would be that, you know, Elsie would walk into the Rovers and she'd have a little chat with Albert and then someone would walk over and all these little crossovers and it felt like a community. But you made one this week, didn't you? I did. I made a Coronation Street from, what, 81? Lovely to... To get those lovely journeys where Elsie would go from her house and she'd call into the corner shop to buy her headache pills. Then she'd go round to the Rovers, then back to her house. And you've got the feeling that this was a real community. But mm. unfortunately, overproduction has killed that. Yeah. It's a shame. No wonder the ratings are slipping. Two a week. Two a week. That's so all you yeah,
0: need. Yeah, yeah. Ample. I mean, I think yeah. it was... Wasn't it three a week when it started, though? Monday, to no, no. Friday.
1: No, no, it was two. What they'd do is they'd do the first one of the week they'd do live and then they'd have ten minutes for a cup of tea and a fag and then they'd record the second one. Um, And they'd do that on the same night. So you'd go 7.30, you'd record live, you'd go live 7.30 till 8, tea break, quarter past eight till quarter, uh, quarter to nine, record the next one, here's your scripts for next week. Lovely.
0: Yeah, that's doable.
1: That's doable. That's doable F- right? Five days of rehearsal for that. You could do that with a big ensemble yeah, oh, cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big ensemble cast, 12, as opposed to Emmerdale, that's now got 81 speaking roles. Really? And it's that thing Yeah, it's that thing you were saying to me the other day about the number of people who we can reasonably cope with as human beings. Yeah, three. I, Yeah, I can cope with about three, I, you know, you being one of them, and then there's probably a couple of other people who I tolerate, but yeah. 81 people? No. That's insane. But you in said a it's beating in Yorkshire the ratings. Village. Emmerdale's doing well in the ratings at the minute. Yeah, it got the national television award. It's for best soap. It's doing well. EastEnders, because mm. of course the BBC is selling off um, Elstree, where EastEnders is bait. Yeah, it's up for sale. Elstree, oh, but yes. it's based
0: in Borehamwood now, isn't it? Anyway,
1: it, it is. But that's that's the lot that's going. Oh, is it? What that People... new thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. After all that cash what was it 85 million or something it's a lot of money yeah it is but when they commissioned that set of course it was doing really well in the ratings but oh it's taken about five years to build it
0: the calculation will have included the fact that uh, this is its value as real estate though i'm sure
1: absolutely it will
0: yeah you know um well we live in cynical times we do I'm, I'm gonna journey back i think to i think uh, so. what 72 is it the stone tape
1: 72
0: it is Year of my birth.
1: so My my copy is right there. I think I shall drag it off the shelf. It's wonderful.
0: It's absolutely wonderful. I think I'm going to have some of that this evening.
1: Do you know, there was a, thinking back to the old Children of the Stones, there was uh, an LP release of the stone tape that I've never been able to get. Is there? Oh, there is. I've never seen it. I must have a look for that.
0: I bet it's about 900 quid. About that, yes. Yeah, it will be that. Well, we hope that uh, you at home enjoyed whatever that was. and uh you know we hope you avoid any 900 quid albums and we Um, hope you don't
1: pick up any sparklers and hurt yourself like the edvard munch style screaming girl that we saw
0: absolutely don't be doing
1: anything like
0: that that, no 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 just uh burn a few sofas yeah chuck a couple of aerosols on it uh, parking is it you protestants enjoy
1: spot of parking absolutely spot of
0: parking we got a tray of just treacle tipped onto a tray and baked it was horrible. It um, <laughs> would be. Treacle toffee, it was called. No. Oh, um, no. Yeah, so Oslock will eat that to atone for the sins of, of the Catesby crew. Absolutely. Um, as I feel this evening should be spent in self-flagellation. Absolutely, um, You know, because now we've got a wonderful government who care about us. <laughs> hey, we do, of course. Yes, to be ab- cynical. Less cynical Absolutely. For a moment. Less cynical. Yes. So we hope you all have a lovely bonfire night. And until the next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.